Welcome to another episode of B2B Nation, the official technology advice podcast for sales and marketing professionals. I'm your host, Chris Kleinfelter, and I recently had the chance to speak with Mike Poiser, Vice President of the Analytics Division at AMIA. We talked about the importance of getting away from thinking about value in a quarter or a year, but rather how a customer is valuable to you over the next five years and beyond. It's not just profit within a time frame, but how you engage them over the long haul. I found this particularly relevant as many marketers and salespeople in the B2B space are often forced to focus on their quarterly number. We also discussed the indicators of clients worth retaining versus clients you may not want to pursue further. Some of these indicators are how much time your support team needs to work with a client or how a client answers the Net Promoter Score survey question. There are definite correlations between some of these indicators and a longer customer lifetime value. This really was an informative interview, and uh, without further ado, here's my interview with Mike. Enjoy. Welcome to the B2B Nation, Mike. Thanks for talking with me today. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, great to be here. So. Glad to have you here. Uh, before we jump in, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and AMIA? Okay, yeah, so I'm the VP of Analytics uh, for AMIA in the Americas. And AMIA is a, it's a global loyalty company, and we run loyalty programs uh, all over the world. I'm based in Canada, so um, we run the, uh, the uh, Aeroplan program here in Canada, which is a frequent flyer and uh, financial and retail coalition program. Uh, but we run programs all over the world, either the ones that we own and operate, or we also run them on behalf of other clients. So in the States, uh, we work with brands like Avis and others. So. Awesome. Well, thank you for the snapshots there for our listeners. And uh, today we want to dig into customer lifetime value. I know uh, that's been a, an interesting topic to talk about on the show in the past. So to get us started and so our listeners understand you know, kind of how you define that, um, how would you define customer lifetime value? I, mean, I think the main bit is you know, picking on the kind of the words you use. It's, it's the idea of trying to get away from thinking about value within a short time frame, which could be you know, within a quarter or within a year particularly, um, but trying to think about how that customer is um, valuable to you as an organization, not just based on their interactions with you right now, but over their, their life cycle with you, but over the, you know, the next five, next 10 years and beyond. So, uh, and that's an important concept because it gets you out of thinking about just profit and trying to drive that customer's behavior within a certain time frame and gets you thinking about actually this customer is going to be a long-term customer of mine and I want to really engage them over the long term. Awesome. So so with that said, how does customer lifetime value help companies understand which companies, excuse me, which companies to work on retaining and, and which ones to ignore because not not every single customer is going to want to be a customer for a long time. Are, are there indicators of clients worth retaining versus clients maybe you shouldn't pursue further? Yeah, and I mean, typically, when we say clients, I mean, I, I define the client would be, typically, it would be an end consumer. So, you know, within a loyalty program, you know, the airplane program, for example, has got roughly 5 million active members or, you know, any, any, any um, loyalty program or any retailer that has customers we're talking about more B2C type engagements. Mm -hmm. uh, and from a B2B perspective, it would be, uh, it's also relevant as well in terms of clients and, and how 
valuable those clients are. So I think it's it's, it's relevant on both uh, levels. Um, but the the point there would be uh, that not all of your uh, clients or customers are as valuable as each other, and as you said, not all of them will stay with you uh, for the long term as well. So some of those clients uh, or customers might uh, turn and they they will you know lapse and, and no longer be a client. So what part of what it is is trying to um, get a better use of science and use of data to understand well. It, does this particular client have a higher propensity to be more likely to uh, lapse and cease to be a client of ours? Uh, if that is the case, then clearly um, they're not going to be as valuable to you over the longer term because they're going to you know, cease being a, a, a customer. Uh, in some instances, uh, if they cease being a customer or a client, that might be uh, clearly that's usually a bad thing in, in the sense of you're not then going to have them in terms of them as their revenue and their engagement with you um, so part of this is about thinking about well how can I then use that in conjunction with targeting um, prevention of lapsing um, but it would also get you to focus around well, which customers should I be focused on the most so if you think there's a customer two clients who are currently spending the same amount with you uh, but one of those has got a higher lifetime value then you should probably put more effort into keeping the one that's got a higher lifetime value. And the reason they might have a higher lifetime value would be things like um, they may cost you less to serve them, so they may be less a less needy client. You know, they're not calling your call centres, or they're, they're not um, having to be marketed to, to as much, or they're they're just a you know less less costly client to to maintain. So there's there's and there's various different elements, but it's important to take that view of not all your customers are the same. And you should really look after the best ones more. Sure. So, so that's a really good actionable insight. You know, looking at uh, if they call your call center less, then there's there's less time you have to spend um, making that relationship what it could be to prolong it. So, so are there a few other things that you've seen or have heard from other companies that that are kind of signifiers of? Uh, longevity, like for instance, not having to spend much time on as much time on the phone that was one. That, that was an excellent example. Are there any others that pop into your head? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I mean, just just perhaps even if I think about companies and maybe something like a retailer, um, and you know, if I look at a retail client, you know, they will be thinking about well, how how often does the does a customer come to them in terms of how frequently and how recently and how much they're spending so and and really um, they'll be also able to think about that customer from a I guess more of a margin perspective so in terms of the products and this is not just a retailer this could be on the retailer but um, the sorts of products that they're interacting or that they're purchasing uh, would have different profiles in terms of um, how profitable those products would be so let's say you've got a client or customer who is always choosing the 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 cheapest product or always choosing the product that you've got the least margin on then you're going to make less money from that customer than a customer who happens to be choosing the the more premium version of the similar product so uh, so in that sense it, it'll also be looking at the product mix of the, that the customers are purchasing or uh, that they're interacting with and therefore you can think about them looking at the profitability of the customer as well as just their value. Okay, yeah. So, so 
now that we have an understanding of the customer lifetime value, uh, what are some ways our listeners you know, could start using this principle to benefit their own organization? Say you know, they've never really considered anything like this or even haven't measured their data in a way that thinks about uh, retention. Where, where could they get started here? Well, I think, I mean, the first thing I'd say would be just almost a pointer to say maybe lifetime value is not the first thing to get to. You, you definitely need to be thinking about treating your customers first. So, so long as you then got over the fact that you need to think about your customers and differentiating your customers and actually that they are different, that's the first stage. The second stage would then be, yeah, looking at their value and their, their value over their lifetime is important. Uh, one of the areas we found really interesting is actually um, there's some quite strong correlations between uh, how valuable a customer is and their their NPS score, so their, their net promoter score. So um, the likelihood for them to recommend you as a business mm-hmm. typically is positively correlated with how much they're spending or how, how valuable they are, uh, which is interesting. So therefore, it, that actually makes sense that if you're also looking after those customers and then they're more likely to recommend you to other people and other other customers, then it's you know there's a positive effect. Um, I guess a, um, a virtuous circle, if you like, of of improvement. So one of the, one of the simple things I'd say would be uh, you've got to start measuring. That's that, that. But also looking at measuring and comparing with other metrics, like if you've got an NPS score or some value, some score around people's. Um, how uh, positive they are with your brand or your organization, then I think you'll find that they're they're quite interlinked and looking at both is important. So that makes me uh, think of a, another uh, question for you here. So say you have some data around your net promoters, uh, promoter score and you're able to define, hey, th- these customers who have been spending with us are also the most likely to recommend us to others. Uh, what are some things that you have seen or, or heard done by marketers to be an actionable, actionable next step there. So, so you understand who those people are in this scenario. So you know who your, your uh, say your super customers are. Um, do, do you offer them incentive to, to you know, be an ambassador essentially, or is it more of a, you, you want that to be an organic thing? How do you encourage that? Well, there's probably lots of different ways you could do that. And, you know, I, perhaps just pick out a couple. Um, and, and we don't do a huge amount of, you know, kind of ambassador-type programs. But mm-hmm. when, when we do think of those sort of things, and you're really thinking about maybe, you know, social influencers is one way to think about it, um, you'd certainly be wanting to do, as a minimum, uh, identifying people who are strong brand advocates and ambassadors and offering them experiences that maybe they get to experience a new product ahead of the curve or they get to... Uh, give you feedback on prospective thoughts that you're doing on your brand or changes or really trying to make them, you know, feel um, and be more useful to you as a, as a, as a client or customer so that they can, they can help you not only perhaps with the giving you feedback, but also helping you then get messages out to other, other people. So that, you know, that's perhaps the early adopter type approach. Um, I think in, in terms of other things would be uh, the most obvious and perhaps the, the most generic thing I'd say would be it enables you to then be more personalized. Mm-hmm. So if you're then being more personalized with customers based on you know them better, then they typically will respond better. So, And that, that would go for someone who is a 
an advocate as well as someone who's perhaps in the middle of the pack. Um, if you're then saying to them, well, hey, we've, from your behavior, we've seen that this is what you're doing, um, you can send them offers that may be interesting to them. And you know, if that's an offer in the loyalty context, that might be a earning more points or you know, doubling their points or giving them a, an incentive to say, well, if you were able to um, transact with these retailers rather than their competitors, then we'll double the, the incentive. So you can certainly play with that. And certainly in the loyalty context, you are, you're trying to really just get people to be loyal to certain brands rather than the competition. So, uh, and, you know, people like to be rewarded for that. Yeah, that's a, a really uh, interesting perspective on um, just how to get get uh, folks who could be advocates for you to kind of uh, get motivated to do so. Oh, that was a lot of really cool ideas there. Thanks for sharing those. Uh, yeah, Mike, no this problem. has been, uh, yeah, and, and this has been a really uh, nice interview today. Where can our listeners find you on the web? So I'm on uh, so Mike Poiser uh, on Twitter. Uh, and amia.com is our um, our website, so aimia.com, and then I'm on LinkedIn as well, so as uh, Michael Poiser. So, listeners, feel free to connect with Mike there. And uh, thanks again to Mike for joining me today, and thanks to our listeners as always for following along. This episode was recorded at the Technology Advice Podcast Studio in Nashville, Tennessee. To listen to more episodes of B2B Nation, check us out on SoundCloud or iTunes. And to learn more about the show, you can find us on Twitter at technology underscore ADV or online at technologyadvice.com. Thanks for listening.